This is Anthony and Areno, and you're listening to In the Arena. This episode of In the Arena was sponsored by Sales Gravy University. You know I'm good friends with Jeb Blunt, and you know he does great work, and you know he wrote Fanatical Prospecting, but you may not know that he created Sales Gravy University. And what is Sales Gravy University, you ask? And it's a great question. Sales Gravy University is sales training in your pocket. What you're going to get is an innovative training app that's going to help you accelerate your sales performance and improve your income, and it's in your pocket. It's on your phone, whether that's an iPhone or an Android phone. You can go out to the iTunes store and download the app, or you can go to the Play Store and download the app there. Here's what you're going to get. You're going to get the platform when you sign up, and you're going to be able to buy what you want. There's going to be in-app purchases there for you. You can purchase some courses for 99 cents, and that might be a short video, a tutorial, or an audio program. You're also going to find something that costs more. I think I have a program on there for $9.99, and it's how to plan a sales call. It's four modules. It's probably close to 25 minutes long, and it's content to help you set up success when you're going to do the most important thing that salespeople do, and that's go sit down face-to-face with a client or a prospect. Here's what I love about this platform, and this is where I think Jeb's genius comes in. This is spot training. So you're in your car, you've got a problem, you're going to go out, you're going to watch a video, you're going to read a tutorial, or you're going to listen to an audio track, and you're going to come up with the ideas that you need to succeed when you're sitting down with that customer. Or maybe this is part of your personal development and your growth, and you're going to listen to one module every week, and you're going to work on that module, and then the next week you're going to pick up something else and grow from there. Go check out Sales Gravy University. You can Google it, and you'll come up with the iTunes preview as the second link. You'll also find the link in the show notes or go out to the Play Store and search for Sales Gravy. I promise there's nothing else in the world called Sales Gravy and only a Southerner like Jeb Blunt who rides horses and eats steak and probably drinks whiskey is going to call something Sales Gravy because to a Southerner, nothing is real unless you can put gravy on it. Go check it out. When you get there, tell Jeb that I sent you and do check out the sales call planning module there. I think you'll love it and I think that you're going to find it super helpful when you go in to make a sales call. Every once in a while, a book comes along that I'm insanely jealous that I didn't write. And that book right now is Beyond the Sales Process, 12 Proven Strategies for a Customer-Driven World by Steve Anderson and Dave Stein. And I didn't know Steve Anderson before this interview, but I knew Dave Stein. We've had a number of conversations and we've been acquainted because we've been in the same space for a while. And he's just one of the brightest and most thoughtful people about sales improvement that I've ever met. And Dave thinks Steve is even more thoughtful and smarter about sales than he is. So I'm holding the book in my hands right now. It's broken down into three major sections, and I'll just tell you what they are. It's success before the sale, which is research, giving your customer a reason to even meet with you, and then 
visioning success. The second section is success during the sale. So these are all things that are outside of the process. And then the overlooked part in most sales books is driving success after the sale. And that's where the real action is. This is an awesome book. Absolutely worth your time. We'll link to it in the show notes. But this is my interview with Steve Anderson and Dave Stein in the arena. Hi, Steve. Hi, Dave. How are you? We're great. Okay, Anthony. We're here to talk about (laughs) Beyond the Sales Process, 12 Proven Strategies for a Customer-Driven World. So, Dave, thank you for sending the book. I got the book, and I immediately flipped to the back to find my quote on the back of the book. And there are people like, (laughs) don't laugh yet, There's, there's people like Charles H. Green, who's a good friend. I mean, there are other people I know, and then I couldn't find my blurb anywhere. You sure you took a good look? <laughs> yeah, I keep I keep looking and I still can't find it. Yeah, well, well, let me. Uh, this is a philosophical uh, issue that Steve and I dealt with when we were thinking about promoting the book. Lots of sales books. There are a lot of them out there. I see you have a bunch behind you. I know Steve has a lot as well. And we each have a thing where we endorse each other's books. And uh, I've been thinking about that a lot. And when it comes to the buyer of sales performance improvement, somebody who's going to read the book and use it other than a sales consultant who knows more than I do, somebody like you, (laughs) we want people whose names would be recognizable and identified with. So when we have a senior director at IBM, a S VP of sales at Athena Health, people like that. We thought about this long and hard. We believed that it was better for the reader, better for us, better for the publisher. And that's the reason why we really limited the number of real experts like you as far as the cover of the book and even inside the book. So please don't take it personally. Uh, Apology accepted. Dave has forgotten more about sales than I know presently. So we'll leave that there and move on. Well, it's it's a wonderful book. I haven't had a chance to read the whole thing, but I've been skimming through it in preparation for uh, this interview. And I want to talk about a couple areas, and I'll, I'll tell you why, is because there's certain areas where salespeople, I think, are misdirected. I think they're getting bad advice. I think they're struggling to get the outcomes that they need. And they're covered here in a way that's useful for not only for the shift in the skill set and what we're trying to accomplish, but also the mindset. So I want to start with give your customers a reason to engage. And this idea of initiating the customer dialogue, tell me about what you're thinking about when you're writing this chapter, what you're seeing in the gap that you're trying to close as you think about what is stage two in your book. Anthony, that's a, that's a question that I in particular like. So the observation that we have had from being out in the market and doing sales performance consulting with some of the clients that you see in the book is that what too many salespeople do, and I, I can say this with an open heart because this is exactly how I was trained some years back in the IT industries. You know, it was young man, go out and close the deal. And as soon as you do, go close another and another, and another. And in my case, Anthony, I was almost fired for pursuing a piece of business where my boss was absolutely positive. I was too low in the organization. I was calling on a guy that could not buy, would not buy, and I did what any good sales guy would do. I just kind of snuck around and went back to see him again and again. And Anthony, a year later, it was the biggest sale in the history of that company. And so, It was an early lesson for me that, hang on a minute, the customer's not always buying. As a matter of fact, what Dave and I have learned is when we ask audiences, think about a customer, select one, 
pick a person, how much of their time do they spend actually buying from you? And you very quickly winnow that down from 50%, no way, 1,000 hours, 10%, 200 hours, no way. We always get it down 1% to 2%, maybe 5%, 20, 40, maybe 100 hours. So our thesis, our premise, the foundation for the book is, look, if you only want to show up when uh, the smell of dinner is filling the room and meat's on the table, then go for it. But you just might find yourself competing against somebody that's taking a more holistic view of the customer. And just one last thing, Anthony, I personally believe that most RFP decisions are virtually made before the RFP is ever released to the public. And if they aren't made, they've been heavily influenced by whom? By people that are engaging effectively before this sale and after the last one. So it's a great question, and it's very vital to the reader really connecting with the book. Yeah, and you you have a whole bunch of sections in here about understanding your customer. And I want to try to tie these two together. So I did this in this order. I think many salespeople make calls, and they try to engage with a prospective client, and they don't really have anything to offer. They don't have a value proposition. They don't have a value proposition for even the time that they're taking what does a salesperson have to do to be prepared to really go in? And Steve, what you're talking about, I call just playing the long game. And yeah. I, I think that everything about selling today, at least in high risk, complex, strategic B2B sales, it's all about the long game. And I think anybody who's trying to be opportunistic is not going to do well over time. So you you start with the success before the sale. And I wonder if we can tie these together for people to give them some understanding of you, you have to have some relevance when you get there, when you're playing the long game. Yeah, absolutely. Dave, do you want me to continue or you want yeah, to go, go ahead, Steve, you're on a roll there. Go ahead. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. I'll defer to Anthony, but yeah. So, so Anthony, you have very quickly gone to some of the absolute essence of the book. Okay. So long game, many of us in sales, and I don't want to speak certainly for Dave or for you, but for me, And the company that trained me was legendary at that time for doing sales training right, okay? And then as a sales executive in four tech companies, I bought a lot of the very same training. And and what we heard, and quite candidly, what we hear, I mean, I I see you on LinkedIn. I'm a big fan. We're all out there reading what people are saying. There are a lot of people that continue to believe that sales is a short game sport and you can't just uh, be successful here uh, with a putter and a pitching wedge. It's not going to happen. In terms of what we have observed, all right, we have observed that the people in the market, and there are more and more every day that are taking that long game approach and basically saying, you know what, my customer's only buying from me one, two, five percent of the time. What are they doing with the other 95 to 98? Surely we don't want to expect to be in their office every minute of every day. And that's not the point. But the point is that when they only think we care, when they're ready to spend money, it's hard to be authentic. It's hard to be perceived as genuine. And it's really difficult to make a case to the customer that you're there for any reason other than just to make the sale. Yeah, it's something that Charlie Green, you know, has written about who's who does have a blurb on the back of the book about the self-orientation. I mean, if you're not other oriented and you're not there when the customer doesn't need you and if you don't care deeply about their outcomes, you're a difficult person to choose. You've, you I have no preference for you because you have no preference for me. It's easy to look over that and I think the long game means I'm there when you don't need me as well as when you do. 
we now know, especially with all the research that Steve and I have done together and individually over, over all these years, you may wind up winning that opportunity, that immediate opportunity. If you're smart, you can do ethical things, you could do unethical things, you could discount, you could outsell your competitor. But if that's the way you pursue business, you'll win that opportunity and probably no more from that customer because that is not the long-term game. That's a short-term game. The book is, it really is a playbook for the long game. So we're, we're talking about that. What about the salesperson and the sales manager who are trying to make a quarterly number, you know, and, and the tough medicine of telling them, you know, you still have to play the long game when you're playing out of a playbook that looks like this. So Anthony, no question, we have to hit numbers. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've lived in, uh, in fact, D- Dave and I met in a software company a New York software company where we both worked and we go back about 25, 26 years. And I think Dave would agree we had to hit some numbers, right? (laughs) So we have to hit numbers. Not hitting the numbers is not an option. But here's what we believe. There is a better way to hit the numbers than to go customer to customer to customer. And, And what we have observed and what we continue to observe, and it really sounds like what you believe as well based on your uh, earlier comments, If we are in a genuine, an authentic, a trust-based relationship with the customer, which means we're hanging around a bit after they buy, and maybe we're exploring possibilities, we're visioning success, we're we're demonstrating an interest in more than just the deal or the sale. There's every reason for us to do two things, capture mindshare and capture preference. And that's what chapter seven and eight are about, positioning and differentiation. So when you hit that center part of the book, yeah, we've done our discovery. We're aligned internally, externally. We're ready to position and capture mindshare. We're ready to differentiate and capture preference. But we have such a strong platform. And Dave and I like to use the word momentum. And Dave, you might want to talk about that as well, because that powerful momentum that comes from doing these earlier activities can sometimes carry you right through the sale. Let me, uh, before he does that, let me back up though from seven and eight, because I, I want to talk about the, yeah, yeah. the discovery of value and the alignment of the value that we're trying to create and the perception of value from the buyer side. We talk about this quite a bit. It, it, it goes through the book like an artery or a vein. I mean, it, it's not in one spot. As you read through, you'll see that this whole discussion of customer value. Of course, our value as the seller derives from the customer achieving value as the buyer. But the areas that we like to look at, we like to explore, and ultimately vision with the customer is future potential value. And that comes in a number of flavors, for example, accelerating the growth growth of the customer's company, reducing costs, helping them drive innovation, helping them gain competitive advantage. And the one that I am most interested in from a professional and personal level is value for your customer's customer. So I spend a lot of time as a consultant, as an author, as a blogger, thinking about not my customer, but my customer's customer. And when you really get in a mindset of carrying the value that you're able to potentially deliver through your customer to your customer's customer, now you have a solid basis with your customer to visualize future potential value. And that's where Steve and I believe there's an opportunity for a a different way of thinking, a different way of behaving, a different degree of performance by the very salespeople who are out there every day slogging it out because they have to. And this is not a a judgment on them because they have to, because that's what they're missioned to do. 
I want to lead the witness in this question, Dave. So there's a section of the book that I, I read last night. I just opened up the book so I could pull this out for you. So you have a, a set of questions. Would your customer agree with these statements? And this is a perception of value. And really, it's not, I think, what people think it is. And I want to riff on this with you for just a minute because I want to give people a vision of this. Because if you just went and bought the book and you read pages, I'm going to flip through right now. If you read 38 to to 44, you're probably going to have a mindset shift in thinking about this. And I want to point out two things to ask you to talk about them. Not everybody perceives the same thing as value, right? Correct. But I have to have things that all the people that I'm calling on, they, they perceive some of these as value. But you have some things in here that are interesting that I see salespeople and sales organizations get wrong. Like, you understand our business in our industry. And then I look at sales organizations, and what do they train? Product knowledge. And, and everywhere I go, it's, oh, we don't have time. We have to teach more product knowledge. We have to teach more product knowledge. And I'm going, what about business acumen? Why not business acumen? Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have time because we have new products coming out. And then you consult with an intent to solve our business problems. That's another one. It's number five on your list. How do I do that if all I'm talking about is product? And then we're mad at the rep because the rep is pitching product. And we think, well, that's not an effective way. But then we're not giving them these things. So can you speak to this section of the book? Because I think that this is sort of, let me just call it an unwinding of a lot of what sales organizations do. Before I answer you directly, I, I want to give the listeners and you a little higher level perspective on this. Okay. Uh, this, is a, this is a chart. There are 16 rows and it says, would your customer agree with these statements? One of the things that I have certainly found, and I know Steve has as well, is when you say to a sales rep, would your customer agree with these statements? And you start to read them, uh, you make it easy for us to do business with you. You resolve our problems and, and conflicts as they arise. The sales rep's going, yeah, 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 we do. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, we do. We do. And then I say to them, well, how do you know that? Well, because I just know. And so the higher level question here and what we're trying to get the person reading the book to understand is it's not that we don't care what the reader thinks. That's almost insulting. We do care. But what's most important is for that salesperson to ask the customer the question. That's the real takeaway here. So you say, hey, Anthony, you're my customer. Would you agree with this statement that you make it easy for us to do business with you? Or that is, I make it easy to do business with you. Not just assuming that I do, but in fact, I ask you. And if the answer is no, you're not going to get a yes necessarily for every single one of these. There are a lot of them. But if you're starting to get a lot of no's or no answers, then you know you have a problem. And that problem will translate into an inability to work with your customer and to be able to visualize with them that future potential value because you're not in the position to engage with them in a way that they will perceive you can add value. You're engaging with them like like a a tactical, seat-of-the-pants, no strategy sales rep who has a number to make this week, this month, this quarter, this year. Transactionally. Transactionally. Yeah, there's the word, transactionally. And and so, you know, strategically versus transactionally, and sometimes the word strategy, you know, I call myself a strategist and I am a strategist and I know that the word strategy turns a lot of people off. So I try not to use it. I want them to get the real value of what I have to say. But you hit, that's the word. You know, we we want salespeople to think of their customer and their customer's customer uh, in a much more strategic way. And the dividend 
dividends for that are substantial. Let, substantial. Let me push back on what you said only because this but this piece of the book to me, uh, your view from the strategic and the bigger picture of why this is here. If you're listening to this and you go out and you pick up beyond the sales process, this list, in my opinion, is a checklist to say, are we making it easy? Are we resolving the problems and conflicts? Do we understand their business? Are we really getting a deep understanding before we start proposing our solution? Are we really intent on solving the problems? You know, And if you ask yourself these questions, if you're going to be really honest with yourself, this is a gap analysis that immediately you're going to find action points. And I read it and I'm thinking... I can't say yes to all these questions. I mean, I cannot <laughs> right. say yes to all these questions. And I have to look at this and say, when you hold this up and you say, this is the standard that it, it takes to succeed in sales now, if you want to sell I would for, for complex, B2B, strategic, this is a good roadmap. And th- this section sort of lays it out as, uh, I think, a, where are you right now? And the no's in this are something that you could absolutely work with and come up with an action plan today. So I think it's uh, particularly powerful. When you're thinking this through, not everybody perceives all of these things as value, but most of them seem to me like they are are fairly universal. Is that your experience with that section? No. As a matter of fact, Anthony, the whole idea is this. If you think about this list in the context, in the construct of the chapter, right? So this chapter is really focused on visioning success with the customer. Yep. And, and, you know, I, I don't want to say, say anything bad about my elders. I mean, I learned things from those guys, but I can remember, man, I can remember going in and engaging with customers and it was all about me. And, and one of the most humbling experiences that I had was doing exactly what I had been told to do. And I don't know, Anthony, 45 minutes into the call, a guy that was a legend at that time in IT and known all over for his uh, subject matter expertise, touched me on the shoulder and said, son, do you want to know anything about my business? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was just a wake-up call. And I was, uh, I was but a pup then. But what we have found missing is the conversation with the customer that is about how they're going to be successful. And so the whole idea behind the tool is, no, these are not universal. Nobody needs or wants or certainly intends to pay for all of these. But let's just say, Anthony, you're my customer and we're having a conversation and there's no curse on the call. You're not buying anything. And I'm just saying, Anthony, haven't talked in a while, cup of coffee. Let's talk about what success is going to look like to you rest of this year, next year. And I ask you about these things. I think, Anthony, there's an excellent chance you're not having that conversation with anybody but me. And if that's the case, I just gained advantage. And you've got language in here around this being a collaborative process. Can you speak to that too, Steve? Uh, Absolutely. This is the part I think that we miss, is that it's not our solution. It has to be our solution with the customer. So when we're visioning, we're testing that and we're determining what value is because later on we're going to measure that, right? That is the essence of the issue because many of us, and and you've talked about product and product knowledge a couple of times. I mean, I, I can tell you, I was trained with a slide set of 82 and I was literally told when you go to introduce yourself, you will use this as if the customer had nothing else to do with the rest of their day. And if you delete one of these and we find out you're fired, very simple. You're fine. Now, perhaps it was uh, for drama purposes, okay? But the point is, it's easy to see, I, I think for people like you and Dave and myself, why so many of us walk into the room wanting, feeling comfortable talking about the product. I think there's another 
deeper problem, though, okay? To me, the deeper problem is as simple as looking at the behavior of children. What do people that are under stress and pressure tend to do way too much of? And I think they tend to talk too much. And so I think it's human nature. I'm stressed. I got to hit a number. My boss just crawled all over me. I'm in front of the customer. You know, I better get talking. And then I'm going to revert to what I'm comfortable talking about. And it's usually the product. If we shift that paradigm to a more collaborative approach, and and you use the word solution, I got no issue with solution. But in my opinion, we've kind of transitioned over the past few decades from product focus to solution focus to value to customer defined value. If I can shift that conversation to what the customer cares most about, which I believe is their own success, and that's what I'm talking about, I think we're soaring around in very clear airspace with the customer because Dave and I have asked a lot of customers, right, Dave? And this is not what most salespeople ask them. Most salespeople never say, what does success look like to you this year and next? And how do we measure it? Yeah. Well, if you look at the title of that chart on uh, page 38, how your customers define supplier value. So you're, you're doing a diagnostic with your customer. You're going through this thought process, this discussion with them to learn how they define supplier value. And then obviously what happens is if you realize or think or, or propose to your internal team to align yourself, and this happens later in the book, but align yourself with that customer and jointly with them visualize how together you will achieve that degree of value. Well, like Steve said, you're flying in some very clear airspace. You're up at 42,000 feet, not 37,000 feet where American Airlines and United fly. So that's really the crux of this part of the book. And that is to get the reader to understand that visioning the success, visualizing future potential value is only going to happen when you understand how your customer defines supplier value. You can't determine that by yourself. There's a couple more questions that I want to ask you, and I want to flip ahead to a couple other challenges that I see in the world of sales that you've done a really good job answering. And it it starts, you're aligned, the team starts in, in chapter six on strategy, but then it moves into the positioning and the differentiating. And I do want to talk about both of those because I've written this on, on the blog for years now. Selling is about conversations around what value is and the commitments that we need to move that forward. And the goal in every one of those conversations is to behave in such a way that we're creating a preference for us. We're positioning ourselves. And so I look at this book, and I see a whole bunch of things that suggest to me, this is how you create a preference. These are the things that you can do to actually create that. And then I'm going to set you up because I want you to talk about that positioning and and mind share. Because I have a slide that I use in my deck that says, Mind share equals wallet share. And if I own the mind share, I own the wallet share. And if I don't own the mind share, then I have no wallet share. And then I talk to salespeople and I ask them to tell me what makes their company different, what makes you different. And, and basically, they're stumped on this question. And we're, we're talking about preference and we're talking about positioning. And without those two pieces, it's really difficult for a rep who's out trying to, to do good work and trying to hit their number. Right? I believe that everybody has good intentions. They're not out trying to make the job harder than it is. It's hard. 
So speak to the creation of preference and differentiation. I'm going to let Steve do this, but I want to tell you that we have a, uh, well, certainly page 149, anybody who happens to have the book who's following along with us now, but this is the backwards way of doing it. Steve will take you through the forward way and and he'll talk about it because he does it so well. But the second way that he'll talk about these these four areas of uh, discovery, alignment, positioning, differentiation, a lot of sales reps do it backward. We laughed ourselves silly on the phone when we were writing this chapter when Steve said, let's let's play this backwards and let's see how it sounds. So Steve, I, I just set you up to take Anthony and the listeners <laughs> through, uh, through, through the, this, uh, these four pieces here, but you, you do it brilliantly. So I'm going to just let you run with this. Oh my goodness. Well, I don't know what to say <laughs> call that, but, I, but I'll give it a go here. So Anthony, the observation that we had, right, from working with the kinds of firms that you see in the book and, and then others is that there's all kinds of different sales processes out there. And I mean, Dave, he's a sales process guy. I am. You probably are too. I mean, in our heart of hearts, we know that we need a way to do it. But what we've observed is that at the end of the day, a lot of salespeople aren't getting the results they want just from a sales process, hence beyond the sales process. And another thing that we've observed is that if I happen to be your manager for a day and I said, hey, Anthony, listen, when you go out tomorrow, I want you to do these things in this order and only this order with your customer. In my opinion, it is absolutely absurd for me to say it or for you to do it because every customer is different. And so when I rob the salesperson of the ability to be creative, to think outside the box, I think I've damaged that salesperson. On the other hand, and this was a huge revelation that we think we uncovered as we were writing the book, there seem to be four things that the best of the best do, whatever their sales process is, when they're in the deal. So let's be in the deal for just a short moment. I'm in the deal. I've done all that previous work. I did my homework. I explored possibilities. I visioned success. Conversation elevated. Uh Uh-oh, now I got an opportunity. I got a real prospect. I go into deep discovery. The deep discovery is about drivers, objectives, challenges. All of a sudden, I can align my team internally around what the customer wants, connect it with the customer's team. Now, Anthony, now we're right where you ask your question. I have earned the right through all of that credibility, and I believe trust that's been established, to capture Mindshare. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to focus right on what the customer cares most about, which is being successful, the pressures that are being put on them, the things they're trying to do, the objectives, and the challenges they've got. And I'm going to connect my value directly to those things. What we observed, and Dave, I'll bat it back to you, we observed that the best of the best, regardless, Anthony, of the sales process, tend to do those four things in that order. They make sure they know what they need to know. They discover. They have those relationships internally, externally. Funny thing, we heard a number of salespeople say, the hardest part for me is internal. I won't go into that right now. True everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Then they position, then they differentiate. Dave, is that what you wanted me to uh, touch on? Yeah, yeah. So it's discover first and then align and then position and then differentiate. And the thing that we found a lot of salespeople doing is attempting to tell the customer first why they are different, why Why, the salesperson is different. Why buy from me? Why buy from me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
and, and then position and then try to align and then say, by the way, do I have any of that right? Because they never did the discovery to begin with. But, but look, so, at, look at our slide decks. Our, our slide decks, we show up and we say, let me tell you about how long my company has been in business. Let me tell you about our executive team. Let me show you the logos that we've won. I mean, we, we're always starting with why us and right. the customer doesn't care. I think that we think that they care about our, our product. They care about their product. They care about their customers. They're trying to find somebody to get on their team and we get it backwards. I want to say one comment to you, Steve, on the sales process. I've always said that I'm agnostic and I've gotten heat from people in our community about being agnostic about the process, but I'm agnostic for the same reasons that you just described. There's big outcomes. And it's not linear, even though this order works better than any other order. It works better to go from why you must change to why I think I'm the right choice for you. Right. But it's the, the sales process really needs to be more like a, a GPS than a roadmap. And you, when you're off course, you need to f- see some new path to get back. But most of the time, I think in complex sales, it feels like we're in that area where the GPS is, is yelling at you, you know, turn by turn directions are not available. You know, figure it out. And you're like, well, this is the part where I wish I could just know what to do, but we have to be resourceful. And I think that your outcomes with saying, first, figure it out and then get the right resources on both sides together and then position it and then explain the differentiation of value makes sense. And if you sort of think about this, because as I read this, I, I'm going to ask you this one last question, but I'm like, this is almost... A process, but I would say it's a methodology, and you could bolt this on to an existing process if you have one, right? Bolted on, bolted on top of, and Steve and I yeah. were on a, a call just this morning with a, a high-level sales leader from a very, very large company, and the discussion was around, it almost doesn't make any difference. Like you said, what sales process or what methodology, well, I'm not, I'm not going to mention names, but whatever that particular team has had, and we wrote the book for this reason. We believe, and we have a lot of experience here and a lot of knowledge between Steve and me, that no matter what it is that you have learned and no matter what it is that you're doing, Doing, and no matter which sales training company or sales effectiveness provider has been in your shop or your company's shop for the last numbers of years, this whole beyond the sales process will elevate your thinking, your ability to vision a win, your execution, the diagnostics will get you on course. That's what the turn-by-turn directions are. It's the diagnostics at the end of every one of the 12 chapters. That will get you where you need to be. So just to kind of sum this up, those steps, so so it's clear to everybody, during the sale, we first discover the drivers. What's it stake for the customer. And then we align the teams. So we need to develop customer sponsors and supporters, and we need people within our organization to be in touch and talk to and build relationships with people in their organization. Then we position the fit because we know what's at stake for the customer. And that's where we compete for mind share. So as Steve likes to say, we have an opportunity to position ourselves or to be positioned. And we clearly want to position ourselves. And then the last part of that is differentiating the value, creating that customer preference. And no matter what sales methodology or process or trainer you use, this can bolt on top of that and give you a very, very clear and accessible way to pursue a sales opportunity than many of the readers of the book might have at this moment. It's a wonderful book, and I'm jealous that I didn't write it. I mean, I'm reading it. <laughs> this this is really smart stuff. 
So congratulations on the book. It is a really, really smart book. And in addition to that, it's a really easy to read book. And there's lists and there's questions that sort of do a lot of the work for you. And I find that just answering the questions throughout the book at the end of the chapter, you are going to walk away with actual insights, whether you're a rep, whether you're a sales manager or a sales leader. It's absolutely worth picking up. So thanks so much for for coming on to share that. Dave, I have been a big fan of your work for a long time. So congratulations. And Steve, it's good to meet you here. Thanks for joining me. Thanks Thanks for having us. We appreciate your support. You just heard from Steve Anderson and Dave Stein in the arena beyond the sales process. The book is out now, published by Amacom. Pick the book up. It's absolutely worth your time. And if this didn't hook you, I don't know what will. I'm Anthony Anarino. You can find me at thesalesblog.com. You can also find me at youtube.com forward slash Anarino. When you go there, do subscribe. And when you show up at the blog, do sign up for the newsletter, and we probably won't let you escape the site without doing so. That's it for this week. Look forward to seeing you next week back here in the arena. There's never been a better time to be a salesperson or a success-minded individual in human history. We now have in our hands more tools, more technology, and more insight available to us than ever before. I'm proud to announce our new sponsor for this episode of In the Arena, Jeffrey Gittimer and Gittimer Gold Webinars, The Year of the Sale. And what is The Year of the Sale and Gittimer Gold Webinars? Here's what you're going to get. You're going to get 12 webinars. You're going to get a full year of personal and professional development for sales professionals and, I would argue, success-minded individuals. It begins with webinar one, the new sale. And I'm only going to touch on this one because it's so important. It's Gittimer giving you his very best ideas on what's now, what's new, what's next, how are sales being made, and how are we going to make sales over the next decade. And this is just the greatest building block, cornerstone content for what follows. And with that, you're going to get content on following up. You're going to get content on cold calling. You're going to get content on social selling, relationships, Managing millennials, you're going to get content on how to be a trusted advisor. We use those words, but nobody tells you what you're supposed to do to be that trusted advisor. You're also going to get some ideas about differentiation that come from Gittimer, who is somebody who's very, very creative in this space and has differentiated himself amazingly in this market. I would argue perhaps the best in the market when it comes to differentiating and brand building. You're also going to get a bonus webinar called Dominate 2016. And this is not just sales content. This is who do you need to be and what do you need to do if you're really going to win in this year. And this is content that will help you succeed every year. So you go to jeffreygittimer.com forward slash gold. You'll also find this in the show notes. And you pay monthly or you pay annually. If you pay monthly, it's 79 bucks a month for 12 webinars. You're making a 12-month commitment. And if you pay for the whole year at once, it's $500. You're going to save some money there. You're going to get exclusive access to a Facebook group. And you are going to develop yourself personally and professionally. But wait, 
There is more. If you use the word Anthony as the code when you sign up, you're going to get a massive discount on either one of these programs. So go out and visit my friend Jeffrey Gittimer at jeffreygittimer.com forward slash gold. Check out the webinars. Do invest in your personal and professional development. It's so important. You are the only asset that you have. You're the only resource that you have. And the bigger and stronger that resource and asset is for you, the more success you're going to have. Go check it out. Gittimer Gold, jeffreygittimer.com forward slash gold. When you get there, tell Git that Anthony sent you. I am Anthony Anarino, and you can find me at thesalesblog.com. When you go there, you're going to be assaulted by a pop-up banner when you try to click on something or when you try to leave, and that's so that I can get your first name and your email address. I'm going to send you every Sunday morning content that you can use in your sales game or your business game or your success game. That's long form, actionable, something that you're going to be able to look at Monday morning and say, I've got ideas and I can get to work improving myself and my results. Also, go visit me at youtube.com forward slash Anarino. Do subscribe there where I'll send you video content, me talking into the camera, sharing ideas with you or interviewing other people. Thanks so much for being here. I'll see you next time right here in the arena.